What's up, guys? This is Sean Dan, and welcome to another episode of the Eheng Podcast. Because I've had the privilege to actually conduct a class in Indy College, right? So to see how their response toward property investment and things like that, and the results was very, very surprising because the ignorance level towards real estate, right, at their age. These are students of uh, 18 to 21, 23. They have no clue at all about property and it's like an old man's topic. And at the end of the subject, right, then, oh crap, now only they realize, right, they might not be able to afford property in the future. So all now start panicking and things like that. And you look into the media, right, like there's these rich videos and it's based on a Kazana video like, where it says that the affordability of properties is actually calculated three times your annual income. Maybe your monthly income is uh, 5000 annual income is 60000 So a property that is deemed affordable for you is 60 times 3, which is 180000 Where to find? Like that, the whole Malaysia, not affordable one. And if you look at it, right, the B40, M40, and T20, right, meaning the top 20, uh, medium 40% and the bottom 40% of the entire society income, right? The criteria to go in T20 is an household income of 13,000. So let's say 13,000, uh, joint income, uh, 13,000 times 12, which is 156,000. And 156,000 and you times 3, it's 468,000. So a 13,000 household income, right? What is deemed affordable for them is a four six eight thousand house. If you think about it, right? For ease of calculation, a six thousand income, you can use two thousand to pay your monthly instalments. So two thousand enables you to get a loan of four hundred thousand. So for thirty years, lah. So you can see a six thousand one based on bank, you can get more loan around four hundred over thousand. But a thirteen thousand household income deemed affordable is a four hundred and fifty thousand house. So there's something wrong with this statement, right? And a lot of medias are actually using it and the youngsters are actually feeling scared because all headline readers, man. Oh, no money really, houses too expensive really and things like that and end up, right, they just give up. They just give up on the whole concept of ownership of a property and now they deem ownership of a property is a privilege. So that's an interesting concept, a privilege, right, towards property ownership. But what I'm trying to convey in this episode is actually for the youngsters who just graduated or just get your first job, right? And you got inspired by this channel. But what I'm trying to say is this. Property has always been for the wealthy one, meaning those had wealth in pocket and wealth in mindset. Two only. If you know how to play the game, you don't really need a lot of capital. If you don't know how to play the game, then you sometimes get burned due to greed. So to put into more context, right, I'll just pull back to the time where I started. Lah, because I started at 23, 24-ish, my first property. And the entire reason why I would buy property is only because of stability. Like I was involved in stock market and things like that. And to me, when I start trading stocks, right? Let's say I put in 10,000, which I save like all through my Chinese New Year Ang Bao, right? 10,000, I put it in. I played extremely well. Whoa, 10% return. 1,000 only next year. Then if I earn more that day, I got no mood to work. I burn that day, no mood to work. So it's not healthy for me. And those days, right, after having internet in smartphones, right, you are just so addicted to the news, whether your price performance and things like that, which gets me a little bit cuckoo already. So I decided like, okay, real estate, right, once I buy one and I just get it rented out, right, that's it already. And even 
I don't even have to have like 8% ROI, la, which I think is an arbitrary number. La. A lot of those agents tell you, right, oh, 8% only you can fully make money out of your property. Trust me, it takes a lot of hunting, right? A lot of effort to actually find the 8% ROI per annum. But what I'm trying to say is, let's say my monthly installment is 1,000. My, my maintenance is 120, so 1120 per month. So I, as long as I can rent out 1,200, I'm good. Okay, so my entire objective is to put in lights, la, put in chairs, la, put in bed la, until it reach 1,200 and I will just hold it. Let's say this tenancy goes for two years, then another new tenant, another new tenant, another new tenant because at the end of 30 years, the property is mine. Even in the same price, imagine this, huh? if I buy a 300,000 house and I just rent out all the way, right? And at the end of 30 years, I still own this 300,000 house, right? Let's say price increase, very bad location, same price. I still earn 300,000, right? So the initial capital may be 40,000, which is like 10% plus all the lawyer, legal fees, banking fees, valuation fee, did that up, right? So a 40,000 in 30 years time translates into a 300,000 return. And that is the worst case scenario, meaning, right? Price escalation, zero. The price didn't increase at all. So that was my mindset. That's why if you look into a lot of those very prudent investors, these are their mindset as well. As long as my rental can cover my installment, I'm good. Don't need to care about uh, capital appreciation, la, this, la, that. La, because they are playing the long game. Real estate has always been for the long term. Coming back to why I also stepped into real estate, right, is actually I want to put time on my side. So this correlates with the concept of leverage. Real estate is one of the only things that bank will lend you 90% of money so you can make money. Imagine I put in 10%, 30000 to buy a 300000 house. So the bank loans me 270000 as long as I can pay the monthly installment, right? Which is actually leveraging on your tenants. So you leverage on your tenants' time, tenants' resources, and you put it in, right? And as time goes by, you get the 300000 in the end of 30 years. And maybe 30 years, let's say it double, okay, 30 years, the property double, then you make 600,000. So when I started off, also I went into like gold trading, forex trading, stocks trading, whatever trading also got. But you come to realize, right, there's this thing called leverage, which a lot of people don't understand. If I put 10,000 into stock market, a lot of people tell me, hey, 8% return, lucky best. Leh. Or I put into KWSP, right, my EPF, they give me 6 points. 6.5% eh, lucky best. Eh. So 10,000, you get like 600 over. Lah. But the concept is this, correct, you are not wrong. So out of 10,000, you get your returns, of which is like 5%, 6%, whatever. Lah. Then you compound it through the years, which is very good. But once I put in 30,000 into a property, let's say 10 years down the road, it will earn way more because you are actually leveraging on the 90% from the bank. The same house, 300,000, 10 years later, let's say 400,000. Okay, 400,000, what you coughed in is only 30 to 40,000. Okay, 40,000 to make a difference of 100,000. And that's only capital appreciation without factoring in all the installment yet. So that's the power of leverage, but leverage can also kill you, just like stock market. A lot of people say, chao margin, you play around with margin, means that I got a capital of uh, 10,000, but I want to trade because I know that this stock will go up, right? I can actually put in 30,000. 
but I need to settle by the third day. So for those who play stock market, right, then you understand. So let's say this stock, right, I put in 10,000 and it dropped half price. It means that I lose double of what I have, which is very, very risky if you don't know what the hell you're doing. But in property, there's nothing much to it. As long as they got people, got car, got shops, got people stay, it won't go that bad, man. Because mostly everyone get burned is only when they do multiple submissions. Sekali goes, they buy like three to four on paper value. Then they try to play around with financing and try to be smart and get burned due to greed. And last of all would be the discipline that financing actually forced me. I don't know about you guys. I have a trouble in actually keeping money in my wallet or my bank account. So you will see that money just flows out without you knowing. And with a house under your name, right? Every month, the bank will actually call you to check up with you and ask you to pay installment. And with that kind of urgency, right? You don't dare to just like quit your job. You don't dare to just like, oh, I have no feeling towards my career right now. I don't think I'm living my life and things like that. Yes, I do admit I lost some of the random things that I can do during my youth because I was just working extremely hard to make sure that I have money in case my tenant not there, right? I need to pay up. So that kind of forms my discipline and forms my endurance towards pressure and risk because in the end of the day, you need to be accountable for your returns. Like you want to invest, yes, you want all the profit and you want all the money, but you need to be accountable for the risk as well. So for my dear youngsters out there, if you have just graduated, don't think about buying one just yet because like give yourself three to five years, explore around your career first. So whether you like it or not, you need to have a good income. Whether is it from business girl, from corporate girl, from startup girl, whatsoever lah. As long as you have income to actually sustain yourself, survive first before even getting a property or considering getting one lah. So in the meanwhile, what you can do with a smaller chunks of money is to put into FDs, fixed deposits, or you put into stash away like smart apps for investment if you don't know how to do, or you put into blue chips, stocks, right, or REITs and things like that just to preserve the value of your money because you put into the bank, right? The worst thing is like it's accessible all the time. Then you look into a new iPhone, la, you look into the new shoes, la, like shoes now cost like 800 to 1,000, my God. So once you see all that, you will get influenced and the kick comes in, right? Then you cannot preserve that saving and you cannot contain that money. And that is actually very common among youth, including myself. But what you can actually do is to educate yourself, see, watch around, look around the market, see what people are doing and like what are the processes in buying a property, why you should buy and why you should not buy. I always say this, don't rush into buying a property, but rush into getting yourself informed about property knowledge and information. So these are the messages that I would tell my younger self when I was like 21 or 22 when I just graduated. I hope you guys find value in this podcast. And if you really like this episode, like it, share it, and even subscribe for more information like this. Until next time, this is Sean Tan. Ciao.